Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. If you know me, you know how obsessed I am with live performance. To me, nothing replaces being in a theater and the lights going down and the orchestra starts to play and that first moment of magic. And I know the way I feel about theater, some people feel about sports or opera or dance or comedy or food. And what if there was a place that you could go and find out which live events are going on near you that night, and then for a discount price, you can get off your couch, put down that clicker, and experience the magic that is live performance. Well, there is a place, goldstar.com. You just go to that website, you type in your city, and every amazing live event will be listed at discount prices. Theater, dance, comedy, film, food, concerts, sports, no more staying home. You are going to go out and build memories and experiences that expand your mind and heart through live performance with goldstar.com. Goldstar is in 26 cities around the country with over 8 million members already signed up to find out what event is going on near you. So go to goldstar.com. Get out of your house and build memories that are magic for you and your family. Expand your mind, expand your hearts. Go see live performance by using goldstar.com. Tell them Alana sent you. Hey, I heard you need an inspiration. He's Alana and friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day. Every little thing's gonna be a-okay. Hey everyone, new episodes of Little Known Facts drop every Monday and you can find them on your favorite podcast provider. Also, if you go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com, you'll find behind the scenes photos, videos, and interviews, and lots more on the gallery page. And if you are loving these intimate, candid conversations with all the artists who come on the show, please head over to the contributions page. I depend on these donations to continue to bring you these interviews every week. So if you love the show, please donate. Little known fact about my guest today. When she was a young teenager, her mother forged her birth certificate so she could sing in the shows at Disneyland. And this woman really hasn't stopped performing since and blowing our minds every time. Welcome Stephanie J. Block to the podcast. A-OK. everyone. My guest today is the two-time Tony Award-nominated actress and currently the star of the Cher show on Broadway, Stephanie J. Block. Other Broadway credits include Falsettos, The Mystery of Edwin Drood, Anything Goes, Nine to Five, The Pirate Queen, Wicked, The Boy from Oz. By the way, I saw every single one of those shows, and I think you're the first guest that I can say that to. Wow. Without 
fibbing. Wow. Um, on television, she has been seen on Rise, Madam Secretary, co-starring with her husband, Sebastian, Orange is the New Black, Live from Lincoln Center, It Could Be Worse, and Homeland. She's a wife and a mother, and she's devoted to many charitable causes, and I'm so thrilled to be in the dressing room of the award-winning actress, Stephanie J. Block. Well, that wasn't too truncated. I think you hit all the high notes for sure. Yes, but if one were to Google you, like the number of regional productions you yes. did all over this great land of America. Yes, Mama's is, a workhorse. Mama is a workhorse <laughs> who also started, along with some other guests I've had on the show, like Leslie Margarita and other people who either worked at Universal Studios or yes. Disneyland, Yes, which seems to be like the school to go to to learn how to do... Uh, musical theater in 90 degrees. Uh, yeah. It's a test of endurance <laughs> and, and longevity and yeah, just doing the whole rigmarole like uh, in Disneyland, little tidbit, yeah. Disney World, your equity, Disneyland, your uh, AGVA. So the Guild of Variety Artists. So you don't make exactly the same paycheck. So to get up and do five shows a day, five days a week, you better love it. You better really love it. Did so you I love think, it? I did love it. Yeah, I really did. All right. Well, let's go back a little bit further. Okay. Uh, because you probably were, were you, wait, how old were you when you started working at Disney? Well, my mother forged my birth certificate Great. so I could be in the, yeah, explains <laughs> a lot. Um, so I could be in the summer parade because my sister was working there at the time. Both parents were working and she was like, what are we going to do with you? Yeah. So uh, I was 15. And she forged it to make me 16, which was the working age. And I did. I ended up working the summer parade, hooray for Disney stars. And I was Pfeiffer the pig, one of the three little pigs, while my sister was on a float looking beautiful and waving, which really can explain my childhood. Um, so it was, you know, something that I wanted to desperately do. And I found great joy showing up to work. But never, ever in my entire life was I like, Ding, you get the fancy part. Ding, you get the, you know, it's always You're kind of one been, of the pigs. I like to start at the bottom, it seems, and work my way up. Well, that builds um, integrity. Yes. Um, and and a, a sort of like, wow, I'm really here because I love doing this. Yes. There's not a lot of glamour. It's gratitude. It's all gratitude. So you have a sister. I do. Who also sang, certainly when you guys were younger. Well, she was more of a dancer. Okay. Uh, her discipline kind of went out the door. So she was very natural at her talent. Lovely, lovely, gorgeous, gorgeous. And um, when it came time to really, you know, work at it, Renee thought, well, maybe this isn't for me. So um, she is two years older than myself. I adore her. It's just she and I and um, she's now a homemaker and a mom to five wow. and yeah, five children wow and uh, still as gorgeous as ever but our paths did take you know she's right. still in California so we went different different ways now what I actually meant the word I was looking for but because I am on allergy medicine yes. many of them are missing from my brain okay. was humility it oh. builds like humility when you kind of do the thing with an expectation of one thing correct and then the other thing so integrity and humility are probably words that oh, would describe you. Well, that's very kind. I don't expect anything. Even at this juncture, I just, I hope and I dream and I work hard towards something, but I'm never, ever going to expect something. When you were young, mm -hmm. 
when did you realize that you sang really well like Kristen Chenoweth a mutual mm-hmm. friend she was in church and yep. suddenly people Same. were like wow that's exactly what happened to me I was I went to a Catholic school called St. Angela Marici in Brea California and we had the most exquisite nuns like it was a beautiful education and a beautiful upbringing so um sister sarah shrewsbury was our principal and she asked me to sing at my first communion so i was seven going on eight and that meant literally going up to the altar and leading our congregation of however many hundreds of people that day when i made my first communion and i wasn't scared at all. And when I saw that the congregation was excited about my sound, they called me the little Ethel Merman because everything was just loud, right? Wow. There was no nuance and no, just loud. But they kind of sat up and were giving me attention that I hadn't been given before that um and then they would start calling my parents and say there's a talent show at the local community center or you know they're auditioning for annie or annie get your gun at fullerton civic light opera and that's kind of how it just started um before that yeah our our family was very much about sort of baton twirling Uh which my sister renee was very good at i on the other hand was wearing orthopedic shoes and you know pigeon-toed and just (laughs) couldn't do a darn thing did you have those like the metal bars <laughs> on your baby shoes or wasn't that Not extreme on the baby shoes yeah. wasn't that extreme the weird arches yes yeah. and like just one pair of shoes that I could wear always and they were mm. burgundy and navy blue and like really formed around the foot they were very sad looking right. um and then beauty again pageants. humility and integrity honey from I an early grounded. age if anything grounded yeah. And then beauty very heavy shoes came into the play. Really? And again, my sister, fair skin, turquoise eyes, beautiful in all awarding ways. And um, she would win Miss Photogenic and she would take the tall trophy and I would enter these pageants and, you know, take the talent trophy so when it kind of <laughs> gets me right. so baby june is your sister baby june is my sister holy cow um, and she, again we look at it and we laugh because my mother would even introduce us and mom i know you're not listening but if you are we've already gone through this in therapy but she would introduce us this is my beautiful daughter renee and this is my talented daughter stephanie and in in both respects there's great compliments there right but they truly did kind of define who we thought we were and what our limitations were and we've broken out of those labels but at the time when you're like a preteen and so it's it's been something that we've had to learn to go beyond what were your parents' professions or did your parents? Wow, what a great question. My mother worked in the school district for a while and then was part of the American Title Insurance Company. So she did a nine to five job. ATI. Exactly. <laughs> that sounds much sleeker than what I said. Yes. And my father was in law enforcement. He was a uh, welfare fraud investigator for Los Angeles County. So, you know, both of them had an artistic side in high school and in the whatever, the one or two years that they went to college. Again, I say that with great respect. They right. each had their own paths. And that's how they met. They were doing a, um, oh, what are the operettas? Our fa- Gilbert and Sullivan. They were doing Gilbert and Sullivan when they met. And so they always feel like music is what brought them together. But 
you know, my dad carries a beautiful tune and my mother has a lovely uh, lilting voice that certainly calms me, but neither one of them ever had dreams of, you know, being in show business. And was he sharing stories from his workday at home? Like, do you remember him talking about that? I remember a couple of evenings where uh, pressure was high and he had uh, breakdowns of sorts just because it was such a stressful job. But no, my father made it a point that when he came home, he shut the door and that's it. The briefcase stayed at the front door and then he was a family man. He right. never brought that into our house. Because I bet if you're, if you're, um, were you funny? Like you could sing obviously, but you're so funny and quick. That's so nice to say. I, my mother likes to say I was extremely shy. Talented. Ta- <laughs> yes, my talented <laughs> daughter. I was extremely shy and always by their side. So mm. if we went on family vacations, they would say, go ahead and bring a friend. And I would say, no, that's okay. And I would just hang out with the adults. I think I broke out when I was probably like 12 and I found my place in, I mentioned it before, Fullerton Civic Light Opera. And I started to do small roles in you know, regional, these regional productions. And that's when I kind of just found my group of people. Mm. And in finding that community allowed me to be a little more open and take some more chances and kind of expose more of who I was. And when you get that reception, when you say something and people actually sit up and listen or laugh, then that's when you go, oh, oh, I am good at this. Oh, what I have to say actually matters. Um, Before that, I was really an introvert really an introvert what about the dancer stephanie j block the dancer dancer was forced upon me uh it happened pretty much in high school when i was given certain roles one of which was kathy selden and singing in the rain Mm. and i would be thrown things i was coordinated but not necessarily have any technique that's just what happened to debbie reynolds I mean, she got into that music and Thrown Gene in. Kelly was like, you're going to dance. That's right. And I would, I would practice, 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 practice. Wow. I really believe in, you know, repetition is the mother of perfection. And uh, my mother even did that when I was very young. We would do this thing called 10 times perfect when actually going back to baton and you would do it. And if you got your routine right six, you know, um, six times, but then you'd screwed up on the seventh, we'd have to start right back, back to one. one. That's right. Had to do 10 times perfect. And I kind of <sighs> lived by that credo when it came to dance then when I started to audition for regional theater because I am 5'9 and there's sort of you know directors would see me as sort of a statuesque type person and that in and of itself would just lead them to assume she can move correct really gracefully correct yeah so I'd be thrown things like Z's favorite in Will Rogers Follies and I would do the the tap number and then I'd go home and they'd call and say oh my god we forgot to ask do you dance on point and I'd say "Uh, yes 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 no worries and then I'd figure it out later that's just all right well (laughs) to go from like orthopedic shoes correct to dancing on point Uh uh-huh uh-huh. But I'd seen That's the show. A lot to if figure it was a out. real thing, you know yeah. what I mean? If we're talking American in Paris, that I can't do. Right. But if you need me to wear a little rocket ship and clunk, clunk, clunk across the stage, that I knew I could get to. So then I did have to go to dance class because it was just part of the tool belt. If you were working regionally and auditioning kind of the entire spectrum, you better have all three in your back pocket or you just won't work. Yeah. And I had to pay my bills, yeah. which means you're working, you know, six, seven jobs in California and whether that be dinner theaters or amusement parks or regional theater and um, I just had to make sure that I was top of my game to even have a chance did you stay at Disney 
for a long time. Correct. Yes, <laughs> that is correct. Okay. Yes, ma'am. I probably was there on and off seven years. So after school, as soon as summer came every year, you were back at your Disneyland yes. job. And when I was 19, I was there full time. I went to college for five days. What happened? Um, well, life, I guess. My beautiful voice teacher, whom I still study with, she's out in Orange County, California. Uh, Jill Goodsell is her name. I never took the SATs. I never filled out a college application. I was too scared because my report card reflected great grades. But every time there was a high pressure test mm -hmm. where people were going to define you as smart or fail, right. I would make myself sick. I would literally manifest some sort of, I don't feel well, I have to use the bathroom. And the first time for the SATs, my mother was like, don't worry about it. You, you are not well, and we'll just reschedule for the next round. Same thing happened. So my voice teacher noticed this and knew this about me. Right. I trained with her since I was 11. Right. And she just said, it's not worth it. I know the dean of admissions over at Boston um, Conservatory. We're going to give him a VHS tape of you performing. We take theory. I'm going to show him how you can do theory. We're going to bring all of your um, you know, report cards. And he then said, have her go to a community college with all transferable credits. Sure. And we'll have her we'll that way do it that way yeah so yes I did have a beautiful school to go to there was a scholarship that was going to be waiting for me but I had to do junior college and five days of junior college was about all I could take and I was like get me out of here throw me to the wolves in real life and let's see what happens and it was not easy and my parents said well then you got to go pay for your life. Right. If you're not doing <laughs> that plan. Right. So back I was to one, back Stephanie. to one, back to one, Steph. So I found my way and I was paying my bills and working everywhere and studying as much as I could and saving as much as I could. And that happened until, well, for like three years. Then that's when I went to Branson, Missouri to do um, uh, Will Rogers Follies. And I was able to save money there. And that brought me to New York at the age of 22, where I quickly, quickly realized this city scared the crap out of me. I what was does that mean? You came to New York. Who did you live with? What I did you do? I lived with a beautiful, well, that's a story in and of itself. One of the gals who was in Will Rogers Follies with me, uh, she was, she found our apartment in uh, Astoria, Queens. She had all the furnishings, all that stuff. And I, she came out first. I was soon to follow. She booked immediately the Rockettes in Las Vegas. And she's like, I gotta go. Can you pack up the apartment? I was like, zoinks what's happening so I had to come out to New York by myself pack up our apartment be left really with kind of the bones of the apartment finding new roommates and getting my life in order and I hadn't done what I needed to do to make myself established for example have any sort of um, identification here in New York City transfer my name to the lease I emptied my bank account in California and got all American Express travelers checks mm -hmm. well nobody would take my travelers checks because I didn't have a bank account or a New York ID or so it just was a mess from start to finish logistically spiritually like mentally and every audition I went on were I you going through backstage like how did you literally backstage. begin backstage yeah and I you know I lucked out because um Kristen and I Kristen Chenoweth and I did a reading of um Wicked Together and in New York or in LA in LA um but I guess I'm going fast forward because that didn't happen 
No, no, take that back. This first time around, I did not have agents. Okay. So it was You're just waiting in on a the, story yep. with one crate. Correct. <laughs> as furniture. Waiting at McDonald's to go up to the equity building to sign your name, to get that appointment, to then, you know, warm up in a local bathroom or whatever. And I booked a couple things, you know, Fiddle on the Roof at Pittsburgh Civic Light Opera, uh, Kathy Selden at the Muni. Certain things were coming up. And now you up. have your equity card. Now I have my equity card. But I'm still scared to death and I am not doing well. In fact, talk about manifesting. When I was Kathy Selden, I was rehearsing at the Muni and we were going over the couch for good morning and I sprained my ankle. Mm -hmm. And Paul Blake, who was the artistic director there, said, I am so sorry, but we just can't, we can't do this. We're going to have to bring somebody else in. And I had to take a long look, spoke with my voice teacher and she said, you know, you made that happen. There was something in you that just wasn't ready. And right. Right. manifested that and that's what I had to work on so is that a place you live in a belief system that makes sense to you it my belief system is constantly paying attention to my physical person my spiritual person the people that are around me I am constantly taking stock into is this taking more than it's giving and there is a sort of self-preservation that has to take place because I do absorb mm -hmm. I, I I'm just that girl that if fear sets in and I don't really take the time to pay attention to it and find exactly what the source is and to either step back and say that's not for me um, now it's one of those things that kind of gets me going mm -hmm. if I'm scared of it it's one of those things that you jabs it at around my side like I gotta and said yeah I gotta do it so your Catholic upbringing yes is that are you a practicing Catholic I now go to <laughs> that's so funny that you should ask um I am um I guess I, you could still consider me a Catholic. Yes, I go to church. I go to beautiful St. George's. Um, Vivi has since been baptized, but not in Catholicism in... Um Oh boy, it just went out of my head. Uh, I'm saying evangelical, but no, it's um, like Methodist, Lutheran, Episcopalian. That's me, yeah. Episcopalian. I like when the Jewish girl gets it, it right. Episcopalian. <laughs> and this community was brought to me by a handful of friends from our neighborhood mm -hmm. because I was looking for a home church. A spiritual home, Correct. yeah. But I wanted it to be very inclusive. Other than the Neil Simon Theater, eight <laughs> shows a week, yes. <laughs> Which has become so much more than just a theater home. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Episcopalians have this beautiful structure and ritual to them that I can relate to as a Catholic, mm -hmm. but how they welcome everybody into their congregation is really beautiful. So beautiful. Oh yeah. With Humanist the, first. The, you know, the trans flag was out last week and the, the, the sermons are based on just beautiful humanity as opposed to hell and, and brimfire. Right. And that's what I wanted Vivian to be a part of. I know where every cent of our tithing goes to because we're working the soup kitchens. It's just a beautiful How amazing where you're to have seeing that. community work to help your fellow man. And that to me is church. That's the body of church. It is so incredible to me to hear you talk about especially early on, fear, anxiety, manifesting physical limitations yeah. to get you out of something. Because yeah. I wasn't kidding when I said like, it's not off, you know, there are shows I've missed. I might've been working in LA and something was on Broadway and I didn't get to see it, but I really have had the privilege of seeing all of those shows. And every character you played from Judy in nine to five to, to Cher, to Trina, um, to, the, the woman 
uh, in in the Pirate Queen. I can't remember the character's name. Grace Edwin Drood. Your your brigadoon yeah, that I saw. Right, right. Um, oh my gosh! Like those are all incredibly brave, strong characters. Yes. Sometimes funny. Some lead with vulnerability. Yes. Some hide vulnerability. Yes. But like the idea that that you have been able to switch that instinct of retreat yeah. into I'm gonna like bite this apple and really see when. When did you, I mean, we could, we could, oh, by the way, Liza Minnelli, let's not forget playing Liza. Um, we could talk about Hugh Jackman for an hour. Really, you choose. When I look at like the list of leading men and women that you have worked with um, and, and directors, uh, what remarkable. an unbelievable menagerie of talented animals. It's incredible. So lucky. So when you obviously um, came Queen's Got some jobs. Went back to California. Broke, hurt your ankle. Yep. Went home. Yep. Um, if we look at that as like Stephanie's career 1.0. Yeah. Right? Like professional, getting your equity card, doing the thing. Yeah. Like working in the field that like nine people get to do in yeah, their lives for real professionally. Um, but something happened that amped it up into this whole other, we'll call it 2.0. Yeah. And now you're at like 7.0. It's kind of crazy time. Um when did things sort of shift where you felt like I'm steering this ship? It's interesting because it was releasing the steering of the ship that allowed me to do it. And I will attribute that to Wicked because when Kristen and I were doing that workshop. So that's a workshop like for weeks well, and weeks or you'd go yeah, and weeks come and away. Weeks. And go, okay. No, weeks and weeks. Now I had uh, randomly I got a call from Stephen Schwartz back in 2000 and we started to work on Wicked there and that was just based on my reputation in California. He went to dinner. People mentioned my name. He right. said, great, she'll serve for what this is which was really just singing three songs while he and Winnie Holtzman who wrote the, the book, not the novel but the book to the musical presented to Universal Pictures. That's all I thought I was going to do. And is Joe Man Mantello involved nope. at that point? No, nope. this is years before. Right, he's not involved and you're just so working on the music. then for a year and a half, we're going back and forth. They keep calling me to try to just be the vessel to work through some things. Then it became, um, let's get everybody together for, to read through Act 1 and then Act 2 and then let's piece together Act 1, Act 2. And I just saw this cast of characters and people coming in and out of this experience and I kept staying you were the as the cog yeah then it became a two and a half week or three week I can't remember on the lot of Universal Pictures and we then were going to present to all the money and that's when Kristen came on board and it was magical and then when that did not come to fruition as me going to Broadway I had to release what I thought was like the highest of highs and the vehicle that was going to lead me to New York and hopefully get the attention of, you know, the theatrical community. I had lofty ideas mm -hmm. of what the role of Alphaba was going to, um, to be for you. Yeah. yeah. And when that didn't happen. And how do you find out that that's not happening? Uh, there were three of us that were going into the final callbacks for Alphaba in California. And I'm meeting Joe Mantello for the first time. Okay. I'm doing a questionable uh, production out in Los Angeles. I finish the show. I take a red eye. I spend the night at Kristen's house. Um, we got to go over scenes. She just infuses me with all the courage and, and love. Positivity. And as she does. Yes. You know, as she does. And... 
she says, I'm going to be in the room tomorrow. We're going to read scenes and we've done this. It's you and me. So I did. I came in. I felt great. I was the first one to be seen. And then I had to rush and get on a plane. To go back to a show that you were doing. To go back to a show. A questionable show. Uh Uh-huh. Unnamed. (laughs) Not naming it. So a couple days later, it was Stephen Schwartz who called. And I felt so great because everything that I would want a casting director to say and a director to say and Kristen's face just beaming, I thought I had checked you off all the boxes. You did what you wanted to do. Yeah. So that call Which from Steven. You did. I did. Yep. You're right. You know, you go, to the, you go to the amusement park, you throw the beanbag through the clown's mouth and you're like, well, where's my prize? Right. Because you know? I threw it. In the mouth. I did it far away and it went in and I'm not coordinated and I did it. And Stephen was lovely and he said the first three minutes of that conversation was you're remarkable. You blew everybody out of the water. You know Elfie like nobody else yet we have to go a different way. And that's how I found out. And it was really a kick to the gut and it's something that... Again, because I put expectations ahead of me and had painted this picture for the next year or two years of what that experience was going to be, it was a heavier blow than it should have been. Um, Did he tell you it's going to, who it was yes, going to yes, be? Yes, yes. He's like, we're time, hiring Adina Menzel. Yes, and she was a Tony nominee, and she knows post rent like to to build a show from the ground up. He's like, you don't even have a Broadway credit, let alone know what creating a show is. Right. Um, but we don't know how heavy this role is going to be. So there's an opportunity that you'll be the matinee girls on Wednesday and Saturdays. We'd like for you to be her standby. And it took a lot, and it took a lot of tears and prayer and do I stay in California and kind of you know be the big fish in this pond and and continue to play leads regionally and keep searching what the next thing that could take me to New York or do I just embrace what this is work as hard as I can when the time comes for me to be Elfie give them the one the character that I've created and hopefully that will kind of stand on its own and I went that way and once I released and became a part of an incredible ensemble which the original company my god let's hear it for the ensemble because that sort of discipline and work ethic and frame of mind and knowing everybody else's part and still being ready to step in for Adina if I needed to which I did um, that was a whole different experience that gave me a different perspective and I'm so grateful to have had that mm-hmm. and so you were in the show every night you I were a standby not her understudy when you go out of town yeah they don't have the money to necessarily have just a standby that's waiting in the dressing room mm-hmm. so I was the first to go on the first cover but I also had to be in the ensemble when we were going to move to New York is when I would you know literally just come into the Gershwin right and then be ready whenever she needed and me. you did that I did not before we got to New York I had booked boy from Oz so I got to go to Joe Mantello and say look I've been offered this opportunity and he was a complete gentleman and said go you gotta go and clearly he wasn't mad because he cast you in nine to five that's right and sometimes we need those next jobs to know that they weren't just saying it's okay that's right but that they really understood yeah Yeah. and then cast me on broadway the the beauty of out of town was i did get the one performance that i went on for alphaba and those that needed to see it saw it and Mm -hmm. said you know when the time comes come back to us you can replace d adina or you can you know do the national tour go do boy from oz and come back to us so you know looking back you know that kick to the gut when i got the phone call from steven schwartz 
I won't kid you. It's there's still a sting there mm-hmm. because when you do invest years and love and you still see mistakes that you made that are now part of the libretto and the score and you think, wow, I made that up with Stephen on his piano bench. Um, there is a piece of you there. Right. Um, but, you know, it's undeniable. Adina it, it, brought to life a character that was very different than the way I played it. But it's 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 indelible. I recently was at the 15 year anniversary oh my gosh. Uh, and and to be in the audience and see the level of talent all on one stage coming together, partnered with their Galindo or their Alphaba for 15 years worth yeah. of this show. Yeah. And to just see the number of stars. It's 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 crazy. And Ariana Grande. I mean, that's In crazy. the middle of it all. My Galindas, yeah. I was privileged to have Kristen, um, uh, Anna Lee Ashford, and Kendra Kassenbaum. These are like comedic tight you know titans in yep. our generation of yep. musical theater i mean the amount of like the number of like whistle notes belter i mean what could happen at any moment if god forbid no, no. anything had happened no, no. in Don't that theater at that moment it. <laughs> it didn't we got through it i kept saying this isn't good we should not all be like the That's somebody right. should be it's like the white house <laughs> somebody needs to bring these people I down did. to the I security was like, they can't all be in here at once i'm very uncomfortable <laughs> It was true. And when it was over and uh-huh. I like hugged Chris, I was like, yeah. let's get you out of here immediately. We got to go, this girl. <laughs> <laughs> we got, we got Chris. Anyway, it was really an extraordinary thing. Um, and, and everyone really has gone on to have their alphabet. Yeah. You know? Yes. And, and I think of like, you have played taking on, you know, Fosse Verdon is on right now. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've seen it. And like mm-hmm. there's an actress magnificently inhabiting and and, and portraying Liza Minnelli. Yes, and Jared Spector's wife, actually. Did she's, you know that? No. Kelly. Kelly Barrett is Jared's wife. Yes. I feel like all day today I was like, da, 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 and like, oh, that's my life's la la la's wife. Like like the number of people who it's marry. Like a soap opera. We're all <laughs> it's, intermarried. It's so crazy. Like I just must be very careful about what I say at all times because it is really it, they're all Jared Spector's wife. You never know. <laughs> um yeah, but like just watching these people play Gwen Verdon yeah. and Bob Fosse and Liza yes. and on and on and on. Um it's one thing to do it on television where they can manifest all sorts of things through makeup and camera moves and you have a million chances to do lots of takes. Um, to take on Liza Minnelli, you were really young. I was. I was still in my 20s. Yeah. yeah. And, and I watched a clip of it today and it's when I brought up your dancing earlier. Not only were you able to channel an essence, an energy, a vulnerability, a comedic bent, um, but your dance moves in that show were unbelievable. Thank you. And I want to know what your, I mean, Hugh Jackman was a fancy, fancy star then, yes. but he's gone on to, like globally yes, yes, to yes. become like truly one of the biggest movies. Like there was Tom Cruise yes. and then there's Hugh Jackman. Like yes. it's this whole other level. Um, so even then he was like, we all knew who he was and he was super fancy. Mm-hmm. When you think of like him or others even that were at the time, like if you look at number one on the call sheet yes. and setting the tone, what was he like and, and what was the vibe when he was, um, in a show? Uh, he's salt of the earth. First okay. Of all. So even though he is fancy, 
both feet are on the ground. He's the first to rehearsal. He Mm -hmm. would usually show up an hour before we did and do some sort of meditating or yoga or he's rehearsing before we arrive. Uh, Packed his lunch every day, continued to work on whatever he needed to work on while eating, you know, all of his meats and proteins. Right. Um, So he just really established a foundation of work ethic. Yes, kindness, uh, open dialogue. His dressing room door was always open. Mm. Um, you could ask him to sign anything or... Oh, I will. Uh, uh, literally. <laughs> yeah. You'd bring in, you know, the... Uh, who's the guy with the cloth? Wolverine. Yes. You'd bring in a Wolverine figurine. Right, for some like, nephew. Look, yeah. I know that this is paying my bills, so I, of course I'm going to sign that. I'm uh, never going to poo-poo anything. Yeah. And his wife is just as... Deborah is just as gracious. And at the time, they um, had their beautiful son, Oscar, who was like two or three. So he was in the throes of also being... A a new dad and what that was so they're just he's kind of this thing that we all look up to and go why are you so handsome why are you so talented why are you so personable why but he is the everyman at its core and I don't know whether that was his upbringing Mm -hmm. or the culture of Australia I don't know what that is and how they see a little bit like lightning in a bottle yeah Yeah. so when you do you remember auditioning for that I do so clearly so do you watch 8 million lies? Like, how did you yeah, start that? I did. I watched the Sterile Cuckoo. That was my go-to um, because she was so quirky in herself and there were so many beautiful, more quiet scenes. And when you're doing a play... Um, and I was learning along the way. Do you know Jim Caruso? Yeah. Yeah, he's everywhere in New York City, but he was quite close with Liza and had been so for decades. And he said, here's the deal. Liza, when she's performing, we think we all know, but you've got these scenes on couches with the mother, Judy Garland, behind. Which is not her persona. Correct. The real Liza. know what that is. So he also had beautiful tidbits, whether the audience would know. You know, he's like, she walks into a room, she kicks off her shoes immediately. When she crosses her legs, it doesn't matter who's in the room, there still is a point as if she's in a dance number. She always rubs her um, ring finger, the top of her ring finger, when she's talking. And these things were invaluable to me grounding and again whether that translated to the audience as characteristics or mannerisms of Liza at that point I didn't care I needed to find a human aspect to this larger than life figure and I will say that there were many complications and challenges along the way thrown at me via our producers and director because the audience was responding to Isabel Keating who was glorious in the role of Judy and because it was a a much more compartmentalized time right so there were just a few years that she had to play Judy and so that was kind of at her descent and there were all these hand gestures I had to play uh, Liza from when she was 18 until she was in her 50s and I had 45 minutes of stage time to make that happen and it was very difficult and same for the creatives and the designers they were like does she come out with the long hair which would have been historically accurate but I'd come out with the long hair and say mama and nobody had any idea who I was so then we had to go to the shag and then they were like do we go big eyelashes little eyelashes how do we and it was constant endless for six weeks of previews it was a constant revolving door of costumes wigs ideas uh, just not knowing how to really 
grip the audience from the moment Liza steps on stage. And um, how did you hold on to yourself during that time? I had to just make sure that every scene was a new beginning. It, it, that's an interesting thing to say, but because of the way this character aged, because of moments where the audience really connected with my character and moments where it wasn't happening for those first six weeks, and then Hugh came to my aid, and he said, we had it, and we're losing it because we're messing too much. Mm-hmm. Please let us go back to what we know and what we had. And trust it. And trust it. And we did. And we opened and everybody kind of fled as far as our, you know, creatives and designers. Like they do. Like they do. And we got to settle in and it became a completely different beast, uh, a familiar one, one where all of our instincts were allowed to be embraced and kind of reintroduced. I do have very strong instincts. Mm -hmm. I just didn't have a very strong voice at that age. Well, you hadn't played Cher yet. I hadn't done that yet. You didn't know. Um, So I, I now always trust those instincts. And, and find a way to make sure that I voice, I feel strongly that this is what needs to happen. Or yeah. how about if we try X, Y, Z? Um, so that's how I had to harness. But that experience, really high, high, really low lows, learned a lot um, and was forever changed. And never expected Liza to be my Broadway debut, but I'm, I'm glad it was. Um, it still, you know, kind of trickles into my life. It certainly was trickling into my life when I was deciding to do Cher mm-hmm. because I said no thank you multiple yeah, times. I've done that. Because I know. I the know, pressure of that. I know what the pressure of that is, yeah. Well, before we get to Cher, which I just cannot believe that you sitting here right now you are the most transformational human like it is unbelievable to me because Thank right you. now you are beautiful stephanie block you do not look like Cher no, I don't right look now like her. i don't and sound it is, like her and, and you do like not her. look like liza to me no it's like you don't look like jane fonda no. to me like it's so crazy you look like stephanie you don't look like elphaba like it's really you must be able to walk around in your life really easily it's good and yeah. if i can leave the stage door and people yeah. don't know who i am yeah I like, that was a good yeah. night i, I did just my made my bus and i always go <laughs> back like when I look into the mirror and sometimes you know how we see much like the share show you see your younger self mm. and the 12 year old that desperately wanted to win the trophy for the beauty pageants I'm so glad I didn't because there is something about my face that depending on what wig you give me or color of contact or shading I can become a real different yeah look. I can be Greek or Irish or it's I'm very happy about that before I wasn't so. I wanted distinct features where people would stop in their tracks and say, That's oh Stephanie my J. God, Black. you're yeah. so beautiful. Now this sort of, just everything kind of comes Ability together to blend. in just a way yeah. that it blends. And yeah. I'm grateful for that. Well, the remarkable part of your story, uh, which brought love and then a child into your life and a and a church that you go to right uh, and 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 have found yet another community stems from you're going back into wicked yeah so after all of this craziness and yeah. like i literally can feel the knife going into my gut when you're on the phone with steven schwartz we've all had those moments yes um and ironically when you talk about like 
you weren't fired, but you weren't able to go on. Mm -hmm. I remember just speaking of nine to five, this is such a random circuitous route, but Dabney Coleman, Mm -hmm. I had the tremendous pleasure, who was the the mean boss in the film nine to five. I was doing a sitcom and I didn't know what I was doing. It was my first job and they liked me so much after the table read that they handed me like a hundred more things to do. And I was like so overwhelmed. And by the end, they were like, this is not going to work. And I remember Dabney Coleman was the star. And I remember kind of like being in my dressing room, not even sure what had just happened. And he came in and he's like, I want you to know I've been doing this a very long time. You've just joined a club with the most extraordinarily talented people who probably because of these moments in their lives, walk around the life with tremendous generosity Mm -hmm. with everyone they're working with. Never think it's a sure thing. Mm -hmm. Have this work ethic vulnerable. You know, he just listed all the things that had just come out of the most humiliating moment of my life, right? And I look back on that and go, right, like I learned to say, I'm sorry, I don't understand what you're asking of me. Right. Instead of, I know what I'm doing. Yes. You know, I remember them saying, like, in sitcoms, no one really cries. I was like, okay, but it said she's crying. Like, I don't understand what's happening, and I didn't have a voice to ask questions. And he's like, so you're going to go on. He's like, the show's going to be canceled in a minute. It was. You had a thing where the show was not canceled in a minute. It became wicked. Yes. The biggest, most successful Broadway musical in history. (laughs) And you had to see that dang billboard everywhere you went. Yes. Ponies are one and everyone's green and merch is everywhere. But then you got to do it again. I did. And then what happened? It was interesting because when they did say, do you want to replace Dina when she's done or do you want to do the first national? And I said first national because I desperately wanted to get back into the rehearsal room with Joe Mantello and I wanted to create my own Elfie. I didn't want to kind of fit into, like you said, the big mega hit that was kind of already up and running. And that allowed me to go on tour, see the country, bring this extraordinary piece to all these cities that wouldn't necessarily be seeing it. So it felt like a rock concert yeah. everywhere we went what a and, present you gave oh, in every and what a present yeah. I received I was exhausted doing this on tour but mm. and then at the tail end in walks Sebastian Arcellus who's going to replace and play Fierro and just for the, my last like six to seven weeks and kind handsome did yes, not yes, know yes. him did, did know, not him? know him no in fact brand um, new yeah Kendred was aware of him through rent I did not know him at all and he was just this generous spirit beautiful talent great buns in those white fiero pants <laughs> but i was in a tenant not that i noticed relationship, oh so i couldn't notice i mean i noticed but you can't notice right um you were professional but apparently as he says in you know two weeks he knew i was going to be his wife it was over he just couldn't sleep he was journaling to me i mean it just became such a thing and i again saw him recognized him thought what a unbelievable human being Um, but then I left the tour and the relationship developed when he would fly out to New York almost every Monday with some sort of quote-unquote doctor's appointment or I need to check in with my roommate or blah 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 and we started to hang out that way as friends as friends yeah even though we had a relationship agenda going my relationship had dissolved in the very last throes of the the wicked tour where I purged a whole lot of things Mm. and this man came into my life that I again was never expecting and it happened pretty quickly and I had to go to therapy because I couldn't wrap my mind around falling in love and surrendering to a human being this fast after dating somebody for 10 and a half years and I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop and it just never did 
Wow. And now we've been married almost 12 years and have the perfect wow. child. And he surprises me every day. And with the way he loves and the capacity with which he can just love every human person. It, 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 he's not, like I tell him, one lifetime just is not going to be enough with him. It just isn't. And he's having tremendous success also. He is. He's on Madam Secretary. He is. I mean, he's been in Jersey. I mean, he's been in a million things. Yes. Um, but I think it can be hard if both people in an artistic relationship aren't getting yeses. Yes. And how wonderful to be with someone who supports you so much, but also is getting support from the uh, industry and as he's well. A, he's a smarty pants. And yeah. I always tell him, you know, that you were able to, because he didn't really decide until last senior year of high school or first mm. year of college, he majored in political science at Williams College, and he knew he loved music, but that wasn't necessarily his goal, and then it all shifted. And then I remember when we were doing Wicked, he looked at me, he's like, I think I'm more of a television actor, and you want to be supportive, but you're like, uh, yeah, 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 I think a lot of people feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, you are, whatever that is. And sure yeah. enough, the boy just started booking left yep. and right, and he has an authenticity about him when he's on screen mm -hmm. that people just really relate to. And yeah. I am floored by him every episode going, how are you making that just look so natural and normal, speaking this political jargon yep. and just rolling with it? And, and also knowing TV just goes so fast. It goes so fast. So you just yeah. have to be good. He also had an extraordinary yeah. voiceover career. He was the voice of Verizon campaign for three years, and he was the voice of um, TBS for five years. Well, so these are all really good bill-paying jobs. Good heavens. Yeah. We, we're, we're lucky. Yeah. We're lucky. So I can't um, not talk about the show uh, that we are in the theater of, in the dressing room of. Yes. Um, you, I know because Jason Moore, director extraordinaire of the share show oh, is a friend him. of mine love him. and came on my podcast and people just fell in love with him uh, globally yes. who didn't already know him because of his warmth and intelligence and, and then you google him and he's just the the cutest most yes. beautiful i mean gorgeous human being gorgeous, gorgeous man. human being um who who really has an extraordinary career that also includes films and television yeah. and theater and yeah. he keeps being able to kind of boomerang through all of it um I know that when the Share Show came up and was on your radar, you were hesitant yes. to take on this role. And I think about that now and how hilarious because it would be impossible to imagine anybody else. Um, how did he convince you? You had a little daughter. You had done Trina, mm -hmm. like this, you know, the falsetto, uh, Mart uh, the William Finn in general, those those pieces in particular, seeing you in falsetto, seeing what you brought to Trina, a song that I hadn't known that was then added to falsettos. Yes. You and Christian and Brandon and Andrew um, and the and the little Anthony. kid, Anthony. Anthony. Oh. Um, that is to prove that we are really backstage. <laughs> um, Anna has a delivery. Um, so, so falsettos is a magical piece of theater. Yeah, and it is a super intimate artsy, piece. fartsy yeah. piece. Yes, and and maybe ten of us are aware of what it is. Um, but for the ten of us, it's the soundtrack that we. It is. It is. It's like, a treasure. A treasure. When I was doing a play called The Last Night of Ballyhoo, every night I would listen. I was like, I have to cry, you know, top of act two. Let me just listen to, you know. Holding to the ground or whatever song is going to move you. It didn't yeah. matter. Every yeah. single one. Um, 
how do you go from Trina to Cher? And that's why I kept saying no, because I couldn't, I couldn't figure out what that answer was. Yeah. I was living in this headspace of, um, you know, how do I, how do I choose the words carefully? Um, I did feel artsy. I did feel like I was delivering an important story that was timely and timeless. I had found this incredible bond with my fellow actors of which there was just seven of us in the play, 11 in total Mm -hmm. with standbys and understudies. And I was so there and so in that moment that the idea of sort of a commercial piece that I had labeled it, right? Nobody had said this is what it's going to be, but you just see the title, The Share Show, and you start conjuring these ideas of what that's going to look like and sound like. And and so they approached me of early January of 2017, and mm. I, it just didn't feel right. And so I graciously said, thank you so much, which was true. My was it a reading at the elect- time yes. or a work? Okay. Yes, it was going to be a reading at the time. And it was going to be presented to share by the end of that reading. I don't believe staging was involved. I believe it still was going to be like music stands and scripts sure. and that sort of presentation. Um, but it just didn't feel right for the time. And my schedule was kooky. Right. And I just thought, I don't think I can really make this fit. Then they came a couple months later and they called my agents, said, we're going to do another round. This time it is going to be on its feet two weeks and it will be fleshed out a little more and we will present to, you know, share once again. I think this was in August maybe. And um, I still didn't feel like I was up to the task. And are you tortured right by this or not? No. Mm-hmm. It seemed it seemed it clear, clear to me that again, because I had played Liza, I knew what that was. Then I... I in turn would know what this experience of share was going to be. Right. And that just didn't seem like the next chapter for me. Yeah. Um, were there other offers or other things you were looking at? I at was the toying time? at, a, yes, there were a, a few things. Okay. And they weren't going to, I don't know how they were going to pan mm-hmm. out, but there were readings involved. I had my concerts going on. I was preparing actually for a Lincoln Center concert. Uh, by you the know, way. Um, by the way. Thank you. Not for nothing. Thank you. Oh. So I know that sounds silly and it's just like a, a two concerts that they tape, but you put in months and months of work to develop what that evening is going to be. And so I was kind of entrenched in that. And then Jason called my agents and said, I'd love to just take her to dinner. I've never had a director do that Mm. ever before. Um, I respect him highly. (laughs) Why not have a steak and a little (laughs) glass of red wine? So we did. We sat down. His demeanor right away, I felt a kinship to. There was a comfort level. And he allowed me to speak. He allowed me to share what I was apprehensive about, uh, what I experienced playing Liza, what I really didn't want out of the project and want out of the experience. And then he said, well, let me tell you what I see this as. And the spiritual level with which he spoke and the depth of life, his point of view on life and people and storytelling and on share in particular, I loved everything about it. And I, by the end of the evening, I just looked at him and said, okay, let's go, but let's just go for the two weeks and let's see what you think, what I think, what share thinks. And again, let's release all expectations. I said, the woman that you're meeting at this table tonight, I'm going to be as vocal in the rehearsal room so don't be surprised um i will always be respectful but if something feels you know truly wrong and it's screaming in every fiber of my being i'm gonna have to say 
this this one just isn't going to f- be right for me. Um, so when you do ha- this, like I, I'm not an agent, I'm mm-hmm. just an actress. Mm-hmm. Do you, so you're not signing contracts mm-hmm. where they say like, we have the right of first refusal mm-hmm. for you to be because shared. it was, even before that, they had offered me Chicago and Broadway. Right. So it was it was there. A yeah. good year and a half of my life was being offered to me with this project. Right. But I just couldn't wrap my head around what that looked like. So I grew up, uh, I remember the Sonny and Cher show. Yes. I remember them walking out with chastity yes. at the time. Um my fantasy about what it would be like to be in an artistic relationship like that. Um, it was like Donnie and Marie, uh, like there are certain kind, the Partridge family, like there are just these iconic memories that I have oh, of yeah. what was the on Bob television. Hope special was yeah. mine, and I wanted him to desperately be my grandfather. Yes. <laughs> well, we're here. Ancestry.com <laughs> says he. Guess what, Stephanie? We have some. 23 and me. <laughs> we have some microfiche that we want to show you. So. So do you have like, and then we all like in our showers seeing if I could turn back time. So how, what was your relationship when he's saying share? What does that even mean to you? Visually, I do go to the Sunny and Share show because right. my parents did watch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but for me, she's in a, a, a box next to the Barbies. She's mm-hmm. a, a fashion icon to me she's wearing this gorgeous white gown in a barbie box and i just thought who's this dark haired you know what i mean not not baby june barbie not baby june barbie Mm -hmm. but like talented barbie ethnic talented (laughs) lithe olive skin barbie yeah that was really intriguing and special to me um I meet my first sort of hook into who she is and what she's capable of was Moonstruck. Mm. I mean, really, as a, I didn't necessarily listen to her music, although it's just in our right. lives, right. whether we pitch you're in an elevator, or not, you're in a restaurant, it's, playing, it's, it's on it's your, playing. yeah. Um, so it was that. And then I had to go back. And then when I started to watch interviews of her is what I watched first. So I didn't watch any of the television shows. I wanted to see who who this woman, how she sat, how she addressed right. people, and it was baffling to me how beautifully um, outspoken and authentic and comfortable in her own skin she was, and I wanted to be her friend. And I thought, my god, if I want to be her friend, then this Maybe is a I project. Can play her. Maybe I could actually I can, play her. Did you watch her on Letterman? Yes. Isn't that fascinating? Fascinating and brilliant and exactly, like had she done that on Phil Donahue, it wouldn't have gone over. Right. Right? But she knows, she not only knows herself, but she knows the temperature of the room. She knows the audience to which she is playing. Mm-hmm. Her gauge is really, really extraordinary. Well, that's a very smart human being. Yes. That's like a high IQ. Yes. And great timing. Yes. That's an incredible, which by and the I way. I feel like she's always had it. Mm-hmm. I feel like instinctively this woman walks into a room and she's able to gauge what she needs to do or how she needs to fill or how she can take over and I'm saying that with the kindest of you know um, affectation how she takes over she just knows she can feel the temperature yeah Orfe was on my podcast and she grew up Cher was sort of her her godmother because she went to school with with uh, with yeah and yeah. just sort of like describing hanging out in her house which was not like hanging out in her own home growing up in high school I guess it was the high school of performing arts at the time just sort of from day one that share with someone in her life and in everyone's life I guess who share comes in contact with the 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 takeaway is 
be yourself, stand up for yourself. Don't take any crap from anybody. Yeah. And don't be afraid to speak up. Yeah. And she was doing that way before it was popular. And the, the, now on the flip side of that, having her be your boss lady, then you do have this force that enters your dressing room and you have to then face her mm-hmm. who is the definition of don't give me any crap. Right. You have to look her in the face and say, okay, now this is who I am. This is what I need. So this wonderful, extraordinary mammoth woman who's made an impression on all of our lives mm-hmm. as being what you just said, the definition of strength and don't with don't me, mess with me. Don't yeah. mess with me. I had to sit her lovingly down and say, look, this is who I am. Yeah. I don't want anything from you. I'm not looking to ride your coattails. I'm a mom. I'm a wife. I'm an actor. And I've been hired to play you. Yeah. That's end of story. And so once that sentence is strung together in your brain, yes. and then you're able to be articulate about it. Yes. Is this like true or apocryphal? Are you really at the beginning of this process, basically like reading the script to her or in her house? Or I know Jason worked on it with her. Yes. And the writers and sort of really created it with her in her home i've never been to her home right um uh, there have been uh uh, invitations to hotels yeah uh hotels you know what are you saying the four seasons right right um and lots of beautiful conversations here in the dressing room a lot of emotional conversations here in my dressing room uh text messages emails um was she in the rehearsal process with you in Chicago, preparing for Chicago, no. Mm-hmm. Then she came to Chicago, and we would have rehearsals there. But we were already up and running in performances. Okay. And is she giving you notes directly, or does she want to chat afterwards? And how Chatting do you negotiate directly, it? Then notes were coming through um, Jason, mm-hmm. Rick, and stage management. Mm-hmm. Um, when we got to Broadway, the first we had seen her physically was when we were already in... Uh, previews for several weeks so we had been presenting a show that audiences were mad about and we were getting compliments about our mannerisms and our voice and she came in and she was like nope no, no. She was emotional. She was um, to everyone, to all three of you, or I do you feel I like more you? Of it, mm. yeah. Um, she embraced everyone, but there was one sentence that went aha. She referred to Michaela as the young one, my young self, and she would, would refer to Teal as lady, and then she would say, and then when I step on stage. So wow. it wasn't even the character yeah. of Star or yeah. Stephanie. She connects to grown-up share. I am present-day share. Mm-hmm. So it was always in the sentence of I. And I thought, okay. So it was everything from my look. We have awesome designers. She was not pleased with how that was translating on stage and reflecting her. So she brought in her own wig designer for me uh-huh. and her own makeup designer to give a hours and hours long tutorial for me. Do you um, do your own makeup? I do. Uh-huh. I have to be in the chair about an hour and 10 before curtain to right. make sure that... To put on the share mask. To put on the share mask. And it's true drag. I mean, I had a couple of our guys in the ensemble who do do drag, yeah. one of whom, Blaine Krause, who came from um, Kinky Boots. He's like, girl, you got to do the Elmer's glue over the eyebrows. Okay. Purple kind, let it dry, powder it, and then create your own eyebrow from that. I mean, I was learning the tricks of the trade. Well, good to know if this doesn't work out, you have another Honey. career waiting for you. Yes. Yes. I could go anywhere and give you the drag share. But we try not, that's exactly what I 
try not to do sure right the makeup has to look a certain way and yes do we i have 29 quick changes in costumes and i have nine wigs and 14 wig changes i mean it's a lot but the one thing that I also love about Cher is that the bells and whistles kind of happen all around her and she may be wearing this thing that's a complete sculpture, mm-hmm. but she walks as if she's in jeans. Mm-hmm. She owns the stage as if it is her holy ground. Like there is nothing necessarily showy about her performance and that sort of duel between the bells and whistles and her sort of groundedness is what was so beautiful and baffling to me. So. Because you have another show, and I want you to be able to have time to rest and and powder, because mm-hmm. it all looks mm-hmm. great. You just right. need a little touch-up. Oh, honey, I took half of it off before you came, and I still look like this. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, you look gorgeous. And it's funny, because every once in a while, like, I hear a little bit of share. Like, certain, it's sort of like when you have... You know, when you were born in another country yeah. and you're now here 40 years and every once in a while there's a word like every once in a while yeah. there's a little shareism that's talking. popping. Oh, my God. It just comes out. I know. I don't try it. I'll be at home and my daughter will be like, Mama, Mama, stop being share. And I'm like, I don't know. What do you want for you want for loops? What do you want today? And she's like, please stop talking. I don't know. But you don't it. even know that you're no, doing it. It's like it, when you're in an Irish play. Correct. And suddenly, the but then you kind of know this must be, it's so inside you at this point. Now it is. You're channeling something. Now it is. That is what I want to say. You're channeling something. And as a woman, sister, actress, audience member, when you come out and you rise out of the stage at the very beginning of the show, you are share. I cannot believe you look so gorgeous i cannot believe how little bit of costume you are wearing i know i know bob mackie is very famous for his costumes and they're beautiful but they don't cover much um that's really brave thank you that's really brave and i don't care if you're someone who feels amazing about your body and was an aerobics instructor before you became an actress um and does pilates seven times a day or if you're someone who's recently had a baby Mm -hmm. um and you know has boobs that breastfed and now they're in mesh don't kid yourself (laughs) listeners like the stretch marks, the cell, it's its all still there. You can only be the best of who you are and then trust the designers. But yes, I'm exposing far more than I ever thought I would. So at this point, first of all, it's so, they take great care of you. They do. It is beautifully Thank lit. You. Thank you. Whatever you've just described, don't see that at all. You know that. They're they are taking great care of you. And they also are, no one's interested in embarrassing you. Yeah. They're, you're right? Cher. And, That's right. And I'm sure Cher has all those things too. And she's well lit also. You don't need to see how the sausage is made, people. No, you no. don't. Um, how did you uh, own that? What, what, how do you make the shift? Speaking of Alice and Janney, our mutual friend, I remember she was telling me a story once about some part where she was the queen and she was so worried, like, how do I seem royal? What makes me a queen? And the director was like, you don't have to do anything. It is how everyone responds to you that makes you the queen. Yeah. You, nothing. You just are. That's right. And everyone else will be your loyal subject. That's right. Your loyal, royal subject. So we are your royal, loyal subject. You are Cher Mm -hmm. in this show, Mm -hmm. but you still had to wear what Cher wore. Mm -hmm. So the first time in front of other people, Mm -hmm. were you like, is it fun? It is fun, but 
the mantra that I, and I'm using the word again, I had to release expectations Mm -hmm. and I had to take on the, I can't worry about what other people think, even though I know that an outward appearance is very much um, how people view share, right? Mm -hmm. The first thing you see are going to be the extraordinary and crazy wigs right but this is smithsonian level i mean these are aesthetic is real so i had to embrace it and it somebody gave me a coin purse that says i'm share bitch and that is my mantra yeah right i cannot pretend that i'm stephanie playing share i am share bitch last night was really something because she was in the audience and do they tell you beforehand yes because or if they don't, we still hear the audience lose They're their freaking mind. out. Yes, and you've never heard. Yeah. I call her the national anthem because really, you've not heard screaming like this in this theater where 1,400 people sit. It's like you are Insanity. at a stadium with 30,000 people yeah. and they just hit home of the free yeah. and the crowd goes wild. Um, so she walks in, people are screaming, we can't contain them, the show has started, the downbeat happens. I rise up from the stage. They're still standing up taking pictures of Cher. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, hi. Hey, everybody. There's a show going on up here, bitches. And you've all paid a lot of money. Sit your asses down. The show started. So that's, I have to. I have to control the situation that's as how you if do I'm it. Cher. And I have to wear these costumes that is unusual. as if I'm Cher. Yeah. I have to pretend that my abs look like Cher. We just have to go with it. Mm-hmm. And then it is... F it. F it. I'm putting it all out there. I'm not asking for permission. I'm not. This is one of the few roles that has worked to my advantage that I'm not looking to the audience saying, please love me. Please love me. She's Mm -hmm. laid the groundwork Mm -hmm. for that. So if I do my job right, the love is already in the theater. I just have to make sure that I'm doing my job correctly. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Well, you are. Thank you. And I can only imagine it is a very complicated thing to play a living person. Holy crap. Uh, who is still performing. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not, um, it's not like she's a retired no. person, 90 no. years old, coming she to see with present. her. Yeah. She is still Cher. What? You're going to look back, man, and you will have done a lot of things, but you're going to remember this. This has been like nothing I've ever done before yeah. truly from the process to the experience to things that I've been able to do with- doors opening to you yeah. experiences in yeah. that way I mean even just being on Jimmy Fallon like yeah. sitting on the couch as a musical theater performer and being interviewed by Jimmy Fallon that we don't usually get those opportunities no you've opened it's, new doors in that it, way it's though the word share that has opened that door and yeah. I'm glad that we are giving those opportunities and then able to kind of um I don't know, step up to the plate and kind of hit the ball, which is nice. How are you like the nicest person no, on the planet? You're the nicest person. And so it reflects on the person you're interviewing. Do you understand that? I don't know. I, I just. I do. All I want to do is kiss you. Like that's. Is that weird? Is which that wrong? Lip? My real lips or my. <laughs> There's so many lips. lips. I don't know which one. <laughs> All of them. All right. Stephanie J. Block, Mm. you are a goddess. I cannot believe what you are doing. I can't believe that you're real. You are. This is extraordinary. And I can't wait to see, like, what is next. I know. Who knows? I don't know. But it's going to be really exciting. Thank you. Anyway, thank you for coming on the podcast. My pleasure. Thank you. Clouds can make the wind blow. Bugs can make the grass grow. So there you 
If you want more information about my guests, go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com. I also wanted to tell you that there is now a new addition to the website. It is a button that says contributions. This podcast is a true labor of love, and I really, really want to keep doing it for a long time. So if you like listening as much as I love to do it, please feel free to contribute. It would mean the world to me. Also, on Twitter, you can find me at Alana Levine. Instagram is Little Known Facts Podcast. And on Facebook, Little Known Facts Podcast. You can also feel free to rate and review the show on the iTunes show page. This podcast is recorded at Hangar Studios in New York City. Do you believe in stories? I know I do. Do you feel like there is more to your story? Personally, I feel like there's more to every story. And I got some good news. There's this great company called the Pocket Media Group, and they can help you find the more in your story and tell it so it connects to the people you most want to reach. They specialize in video, photography, writing, design, branding, and strategy, all the pieces you need to start something new or polish up something old. And they understand that story, whether it's a photograph, a video, or words on a page, powerfully connects people and ideas. So whether you're a not-for-profit, a company, or just good old you with an idea, whatever your story, mission, or message, reach out to the people at The Pocket Media Group at www.thepocketmediagroup.com and let them help you start telling your story. Because look, we know there is definitely more to your story. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.